Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Thank you so much. It's a good-looking crowd. You're a good-looking crowd all every week. And it's good to look around the room and and see every one of you. Glad that you're here. Those others are going to be joining us by way of the miracle of technology. And uh, it's going to sound maybe like I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm going to look at Ephesians. Got to open up my... There it is. Ephesians chapter 4 of all passages this morning. And I want to talk to you about five gifts. Everybody say five gifts. Five gifts or five gifts of the church. And I had this illustration. I hope it made it up. Do we have that? Yeah, I wasn't sure. There's some difference there. How many of you heard of five guys? Now, immediately for the rest of the service, I've lost you. All you're seeing is bags of potatoes and uh, ordering up our favorite hamburger and so on and so forth. Five Guys is uh, all over the place. It's a basic hamburger and french fries. It's just real basic and something to drink. Uh, five gifts. Not five guys. Five gifts. Now, five is a significant number because it speaks of grace. Isn't it interesting that God has put on the end of each of these arms naturally and normally five at the end of our feet, five toes. I think he's speaking something. I think he's speaking something. And uh, each of them have a different function. They, they move differently. Now, how many of you have ever wondered what that little toe is for? You find out when you hit it against an end table. That little toe out there is just throws its weight out there every once in a while just to help you balance left to right. So each of these have a function, and you can usually find out when they're not functioning sooner than when they are functioning. And so there's, we have that right there at the end of our hand, that, that number five, speaking of grace, God's provision. Now here's what he does. He gives his grace, but he separates it out. He apportions it out as he sees fit, and he puts it in people differently. In everybody in the body, he does so by the Holy Spirit. They're called the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to talk to you this morning about the gifts of Jesus. The gifts of Jesus. So Christ himself gave the apostles. This is verse number 11, I believe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, you can count with me, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now within Christendom, there's some disagreement. Can you imagine there being disagreement in Christendom? Can you imagine believers disagreeing with one another? I I just can't fathom it. It doesn't happen at Vision Church. But I've heard... Elsewhere in the world, there are Christians that disagree. They disagree over little things. They disagree over big things. And uh, there are those that think that there's just four gifts. And they combine pastor and teacher together. It doesn't fit my model of grace. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a five-fold guy. Uh, I understand the reasoning. We're not going to 
go by and firebomb any churches on our way home today because they teach fourfold, not fivefold. But uh, we're not going to kick anybody out of the congregation and say, well, Pastor, I, I kind of think there's four. You know, out, out with the heretics. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to look at this in the context of fivefold. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, these are people gifts. The interesting thing is that the Holy Spirit give gift, gives His grace and sheds forth His grace into individuals, and they are very unique in how they move within that gift. And we see that those are out in the body, the gift of message in tongues and interpretation, prophecy, hospitality, mercy, leadership, administration. And you can look in the lists throughout Scripture, and you can see that the Holy Spirit stirs these up and releases these in people. But Jesus himself gives five gifts. Are you with me? Brother Deke's sitting here, and he's running it through his filters now. So he, he's going to have a conversation with me later. Okay, all right, he agrees, all right. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, there's some people that want to have the apostles back there and have the prophets back there, but have the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers be right here. So back in the past are the apostles and the prophets, and we read them, they say, in Scripture. But, and I understand that argument, but I propose that there's still a need for apostles. Now, we can't have the original eyewitnesses of Jesus, but we can have apostolic ministry. Very often it happens in opening up new mission fields. It typically is an apostolic ministry that goes in with signs and wonders and evangelism and opens up new fields for the gospel. We also need the prophet... Hello? Can I get a name in? What is the function of the prophet? The prophet is always calling the body back to allegiance and surrender to Christ. Their message is they're concerned for the compromise, the evil, the wickedness that is settling in the compromise in the body. And they're calling the body back to fire, to fullness, to everything that Jesus has for them. And we have a place for prophetic ministry. Amen? where the Lord speaks a fresh word to his body, regathers his people, um, assures them of the future. We need prophetic ministry. It not only existed in the Old and New Testament, guys like Agabus in the New, but it happens today when there are people who can speak to the church prophetically. They have a word from the Lord for the church prophetically. They're prophets. Then the evangelist. Now, what they do is they know how to connect to people who are lost. They are so vital to the church because they can help the church get better at connecting to lost people. Because here's what happens to us in the church. We become born again and start being discipled, and we want to forget about all of the sin, all the stuff we used to do, all of our faults, failures, and hang-ups. We want to get as far away from that stuff as we can And so we're pressing towards the mark of the prize of the calling in Christ Jesus. And we tend to forget what it's like to be lost. What it's like to have questions. What it's like to wonder if there really is a God or not. 
these are settled questions for us. And sometimes, believe it or not, we lose connection with people in the world. We speak our own church language. We have our own vocabulary. We have our own circle of friends, our own schedule. And they're sitting out there on the fringes going, Hello, hello, I have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea what you're talking about. You're using these words. I have no idea what these terms mean. What does the evangelist do? The evangelist helps the church keep a heart for the lost people because Jesus always targeted the lost, the wandering, the bruised, the battered, the ones who had didn't have it together, the publican, the sinner. These are the people he ate with. He communicated with them. He spoke on their level and they understood their terms and they understood him and responded to his great love. Amen? The evangelist is necessary because they help us stay connected to the lost and they help us reach them. How does the church grow? Now, there's actually two ways a church can grow. It can, it can multiply by womb. You just have more babies. Just keep having babies. Three or four or five or six a family. Then stay within the church. Marry people with, within the church. And then you keep having babies and you have big nurseries and you have big kids church and after a while you have the second and third generation and you say we used to be a church of 100 now we're a church of 500 where did their growth come from the nursery but there's another way to grow that most often churches grow this way okay now we could start an adoption program and just have everybody grandmas and grandpas and everybody just adopt you a kid and we'll, we'll double the size of the church, right? Now, we won't double the budget, but we'll double the church. So the evangelist helps us to connect to lost people. When lost people become born again, they come in as newborn babes. They are in it. They don't have any idea, and they need to be loved, brought into a family, the family of God, and raised up in the things of God. And that's one thing that we do and that's how we grow, is by people being born again. Amen? How many of you know that Vision Church needs to grow, and the pathway to growth is one or the other? Either get busy getting pregnant, or get a burden for the lost, and let's do something to win some full-grown adults and teenagers and college-age people and kids to Jesus. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap if you're with me on that. <clears throat> Some of you say, I like that option better, Pastor. The pastor. You're looking at one. The job of the pastor is to serve the church. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ, hearing his voice, and serve as a shepherd. So just as Jesus is a shepherd, he's the great shepherd, right? He's also the chief apostle. He's also the prophet of God. He's also the great winner of lost souls, but he's the great shepherd. Now, isn't that amazing? Jesus is so amazing, broad-scoped and powerful that it's like he has to take parts of himself and put it resident in people. And what does that mean? They're not self-sufficient to themselves. So the pastor serves as the gatekeeper. He watches over the flock. He's going to give account for men's souls, what he speaks to them, what he counsels them, the wisdom that he shares with them. All of these things, I'm going to get to stand before Jesus and give account 
for everyone that was part of my ministry and everybody I had a responsibility for and to. And then teachers. These are the people that can take the complex at times, things of God, make them simpler, put them down into their smaller component pieces and share them with people. They're the ultimate breakers of bread. They take the big loaf, they break off a piece and say, let's start here. And you know you've been around a teacher when you say, you know what, I never understood that before. But they made it seem so easy. They, they made it seem so easy. Or easy for him to say. Well, there's a difference between what you're being taught and what you've got to go do. Amen? There's a difference there. It's easy to talk about. It's a whole other thing to bring it about. And so Jesus himself gave you these gifts. And so on Pastor's Appreciation, thank you. Because we feel your appreciation. We feel your appreciation year-round. And so we're grateful for that. And we thank God for a wonderful congregation. Give yourselves a hand. I'm going to give you a hand. So, now, why are these gifts given? Why is this fivefold, this grace distributed into the body in people? Now, how many of you know that God's grace sometimes is wrapped in strange ways? And is difficult to receive. How many of you know that not every pastor is everybody's favorite pastor? Not every teacher is everybody's favorite teacher. Not not every evangelist is everybody's favorite evangelist. Not every prophet. In fact, few prophets are somebody's favorite prophet. The poor prophet, he's always kicked to the curb. Or how about the apostle? Often has to go through hardship. And beatings and opposition and and at the same time powerful anointing of God on his life and ends up being the one who opens up a country or a people for the gospel very often at great cost why are these gifts given to equip his people we're equippers our job is to help you get equipped you know if you're going to go hiking what do you do hopefully you go to a store that specializes in hiking and you look at, because you're going to go out in the cold, so you need to get the right sleeping bag and you need to get the right backpack and you need to get the right shoes and you need to get the right food because there have been many people who thought they were going to go hiking and instead they went exposed to the climate and nearly died. So many noble creatures have stepped out to go hiking and ended up ending up far differently what they dreamed of so you need equipping if you're going to go hunting you need equipping if you're going to go golfing you need equipping there's equipment that goes with it so aren't you glad that god has offered the equipment not only the people to equip you but he's offering the gifts these are people that can put things into your life that allow you to do the thing that god has put in your heart to do so You need a pastor. You need the apostle. You need the prophet. You need the evangelist. You need the teacher because they're going to add value to your life. Now, at the time, you often don't understand the value. Well, he just wants to sell me all this stuff. He just wants to get into my bank account. He just wants to be pushy. He just wants to tell me what to do. No, no. These gifts that Christ has given to the body, they're earnestly desiring to equip you to help you win. That's what pastors are supposed to do. Help you win. Teachers, 
help you win. Evangelist, help you win. Help you get to the mark. Help you get there. So that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. It needs to be built up two ways. In numbers, don't you know Jesus wants to increase the numbers? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So it's incumbent upon us to realize he wants us to grow in numbers, but he wants us to grow in strength. He wants us to grow in grace. He wants us to be encouraged and to be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Now, how many of you think everybody in this room is in complete unity in the faith? I wish, but it's not so. We could split this room theologically five different ways on about any topic. Now, I'm not going to do that this morning. That would be poor choice on pastor's appreciation. He took pastor's appreciation and divided the house and got us fighting before the end of the service was out. No. The fact of the matter is, we are growing in our faith, which means we haven't arrived, which means your pastor hasn't arrived. Now, that I thought would get a big amen. Some of you are just, wait, amen. Oh, my goodness. I'm not sure he started. Until we all reach unity in the faith. We're coming to this place. We have this high point, which is the faith. But it's way up here. And as we move towards it, what happens? We come together. We find our differences begin to dissolve. Not because one of us has become mindless and someone else has become all intelligent, but because we're striving. We're moving towards that mark, that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we're coming towards that unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. What did Paul write? He said, in Philippians, that I might know him. Now, some people think, I want to know Jesus better, so I'm going to go to a seminary. Mistake. Many seminaries in this country you go to and doubt Jesus even exists. That's kind of the opposite of what you're wanting to do. Paul says that I might know him. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection that i might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings that i might attain somehow to the resurrection from the dead that i might know him he uses a word there epinosis which means hyper knowledge another way to put that is almost like hyper knowledge i know him because i walk with him he talks with me he shares his heart with me i fast i pray i read his word i spend time with him he he talks to me about things he pulls me to himself we sup together he has stood and knocked at the door i heard his voice and i opened the door as it says in revelation 320 and he's come in and he sups with me and i sup with him and i really am coming to know him And we get to do that every day. Isn't that awesome? We get to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. This doesn't mean becoming a walking encyclopedia of theological facts about God and the Son of God. This means walk with Him, talk with Him, receive of His Spirit, let Him draw close to you so that you have an intimate knowledge of the heart and the ways of your Savior. Isn't that awesome? That I might know Him. That I might know him. And then become mature. Everybody, 
I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I just kind of hear that theme song playing. I know they went out of business, but their theme song is still living in my jukebox. If we're not careful in the church, we actually have that mentality. I don't want to grow up. Mine? Mine? I want my way. If the church would just do it my way. Right? We sing Frank Sinatra's song. He did it his way, or I did it my way. And we, we become about me, myself, and mine. I'm number one on my main mind. Right? Quoted a, a country lyric there for some of you in no country. Some of you say, I felt the anointing. And become mature. Grow up. What happens if you don't connect with Christ? You don't connect with the church. You don't connect with the Word. Even though you're born again. Even though something has happened spiritually supernatural to generate life in you. The next step is to then receive of the Word of God. To eat the bread and take in the milk. And eventually eat the bread and the meat of the Word of God. Take it in and let Him challenge you. Let him tell you, let him tell you that you're not all that in a bag of chips. That you need him and you need him desperately. But he loves you and he has a plan for your life and he can grow you up into that and you can become mature, attaining to the whole measure. Now what does he have in mind for you? Think about that. Here's, here's the thing is sometimes you read that, I read that and you say, that's for the fivefold gifts. That's for the big five. That's for the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. They're the ones who are supposed to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that's not what he says. We're here to equip you so that you can reach unity in the faith, so that you can come to knowledge of the Son of God and to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why is Deke called as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ and he functions in the prophetic he functions in the evangelistic he functions in the teaching and he's served as a pastor before why has Jesus gifted him to the body so that he could be used as a resource person to stand in the pulpit to walk across the front of a place to pray for people wherever he finds himself in ministry and walking down the road and walking around his neighborhood and coming across people and speaking to them the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it so that, and why is he part of the body of Christ? So that within the body, he can promote unity in the faith. So that he can help people come to a better understanding and knowledge of the Son of God. And so that he can help us attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now what's the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The full demonstration of all of His grace. Hello? Now, ask yourself the question, if Jesus were to walk in here today, just like He walked into a synagogue in Galilee, what might happen? It hasn't happened with the pastor here, but now Jesus is here. Demons would be cast out. Blind eyes would be opened. There would be asleep people awakened. And if anybody was dead during the service, he'd raise them. A withered hand would be healed. Someone who couldn't walk and was in a wheelchair would get out of that wheelchair. Why? 
Because Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, is here and the fullness of His grace resides within Him and it is at His beck and call. And He is not willing that people are sick. He's not willing that they be possessed by devils. He's not willing that they be harassed. He's not willing. He's come to preach liberty to those that are captivated and heal those that are bruised. Now, Jesus isn't here. And as far as I know... He's not going to be walking in those doors in a glorified body. He's in heaven awaiting his return. But who's here? Holy Spirit is here and you're here. And all of these pieces of the puzzle coming together in the unity of faith and the fullness and the knowledge of God and coming into his fullness mean that the fullness of Jesus' ministry can be an operation within the local church. Hello? That's part of my vision for Vision Church. Is that the fullness, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ be expressed when we come together. Now, wouldn't that be powerful? Is it okay with you if it's not necessarily the pastor, but somebody else prays for people and they're healed? Would that be okay? That there's gifts within the body that function and we play as a team? We're in unity. We're only wanting to know Jesus better, and we're only wanting Him to be glorified fully. And so we want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What would happen in Lake Worth if the fullness of Jesus Christ were revealed in one of her churches? I think heaven would come down, and glory would transform some people's lives. What stands in the way of that? Us. Notice I didn't say you. You thought as a pastor I'd stand here and say, it's your fault. No, it's us. I need to do a better job of equipping. I need to do a better job of bringing in other people. I'm just giving you a warning this morning. There's going to be an apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, evangelistic ministry, and teaching ministry that comes our way. And I'm just letting you know, some of them I think are a little bit weird. And you're going to sit there in one service and go, this is great. This is one of our favorite apostolic people or prophetic people. And others are going to say, this guy's bananas. I'm asking you just to limber up a little bit and allow and realize that Jesus is the giver of the gifts and we can receive them. He goes on to promise us, if we'll do this, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, listen to this, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Speaking, Do you notice that? Speaking the truth in love is connected to growth. If you don't want to hear the truth, you can't grow. You need to hear the truth from the pastor. Hello? The evangelist. The teacher, the apostle, the prophet, you need to hear the truth spoken in love and receive it because it will help you grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Hello? How many of you know we need to love each other? I mean, if you've met me, you know you need 
a heavenly kind of love to deal with that. Okay? Yeah. My son can testify. Every one of us in this room, we have some prickly pear aspects to us. We have some weirdness. We have some strangeness. We have some things that are hard to get along with. What's it going to take? It's going to take the powerful liquid love of God poured down inside of our heart where we say, look, they're part of the body, but I think we could do without them. But that's not my call. That's Jesus' call. My call is to speak the truth in love and to grow together with them. And Lord, it's going to take a truckload of agape to do that one. Lord, I need your help. It's okay to say, Lord, you've given me this pastor and I need your help receiving. Lord, you sent this apostle, this past, this uh, prophet, this evangelist, this teacher, and I need your help. I need your insight to get past this prickly pear existence and tap into what this grace is that you have for me. So, as Tasha comes and leads us in some worship and we close out this service, Here's some prayers that we can pray as we're worshiping. Lord, help me to accept all five as gifts. You've given five. There's some. I want to be a one gift guy or girl. But Lord, you've given five. Help me to accept all five as gifts. Here's another prayer you can pray. Lord, help me to respond to the gifts and get engaged in serving your body help me not be a spectator but help me to engage help me to receive this agape help me get this heavenly download and help me to respond to these five gifts because they want to equip me they want to strengthen me they want to build me up they want to provide in me something that resonates and goes to the glory and the honor of Jesus that, that's some prayers we can pray as we worship as Tasha comes and leads us. How many of you just pray with me that the Lord would give me divine connections with some of these apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, teaching ministry gifts so it's not just the pastor all the time but this fullness of what Jesus gifts the body. How many of you agree with me? Just lift up a hand towards heaven. Say, Lord, here we at Vision Church. We're ready to go on some more great adventure with you. You have given us five gifts, and I'm only one of them. There's four-fifths of those gifts that still need to be in fullness in this body. So, Lord, would you give us divine appointment? Would you give us connection with some people, prophetic and apostolic and evangelistic and teaching ministry? that we can connect with and they can come in and we can all yoke together and work together and this thing be much broader, much deeper, much higher and all be to the glory of Jesus, the Christ of God, the one who gives the five. (laughs) And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And I'm going to pray for you that God do a work of grace that you just are able to handle me better. Amen. And so with that, I'm going to say grace and peace be upon you. The Lord bless you as you go. Thank you for a great Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Lord bless you.